Welcome to On Texas Football Longhorn live stream on Friday afternoon. I've got Ian Boyd of Inside Texas with me, as well as Jerry Hamilton, also of Inside Texas and On3, a national recruiting guy, as well as uh, Ian is our X's and O's expert. A uh, couple of things we're going to talk about today. Uh, Longhorns just made a scholarship offer uh, not more than 30 minutes ago. I'm going to have uh, Jerry Hamilton comment on that. Uh, then also I want to talk to both Ian and Jerry about where we think Texas has performed well up to par and below par thus far on a position-by-position basis. Uh, we'll be going into that as well. All right, let's start with you, Jerry. Jerry, what, give us the la- very latest on the new scholarship offer. Yeah, Justin Benton, a defensive lineman from uh, Newtown, Georgia, committed to West Virginia. He played – he's a big-time, big, big time, very productive player uh, when he was in Atlanta area. He went to IMG last year, came back for his senior year back to the Atlanta area. His father played linebacker at Georgia. Um, Arkansas offered him earlier this week. He's a guy who's very similar to Byron Murphy, um, six foot and three quarters, 280 pounds, uh, just wins on leverage, just physical toughness, quick first step, high motor, high energy player, uh, really strong hands. I saw him at IMG last year, and IMG staff absolutely loved Justin Benton. Um, again, Six foot and a half, similar to Byron Murphy, six foot and three quarters, whatever it ends up being. Um, you know, Byron Murphy just was one of those guys who the motor, the physical strength, the athleticism had to outweigh his lack of ideal height. And that's where Justin Benton is. And they're very similar players, uh, very productive guys, both of them. So there's a lot of similarities there. I think the mental eval is pretty much uh, similar on those guys as well. So I, I like the offer by Texas. We'll see if he schedules an official visit. Um, and, and, you know, Texas is going to take four defensive linemen. I've, I've just thought that for a long time because I don't think portal is where Texas is going to go for interior defensive linemen. So they're going to have to either come out of the high school or junior college ranks. They have Sadir Mitchell committed, Dylan Spencer committed. Uh, I think Texas is going to be up at Sadir Mitchell's game tomorrow um, because obviously he's one of the best in the country in Georgia, Texas and in Miami. They don't give up easily on kids like that. So you got to recruit him uh, through the whistle, as we say. Um, but then, you know, after that, Texas is in a good spot with Marcus Deal. Um, you know, now they offer uh, uh, Justin Benton. They're going back in on Johnny Bowens, who may be at the Texas TCU game on the 12th, obviously. And David Hicks has commu- continued to have maybe even stronger communication with Texas here in the last week. So there's a number of guys on the table for Texas. Question is, will they get two of those? Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more recruiting that November 12th weekend, looming large uh, Texas – we reported earlier today or, or yet late yesterday that Jaden Greathouse, the wide receiver out of uh, uh, Austin Westlake, would be uh, at Texas for the Texas TCU game. Some other important guys going to be there as well. We'll talk about that as did well. You, can we also – did you mention how, how long are Benton's arms? You know, I, I need to, I need to check on that. I'm, I'm thinking he's around 79. I think he's about Byron Murphy. So, he's you know, he's a little shorter than you ideally want. But, you know – but he's a plus wingspan guy for six foot and a half, six, three foot and three quarters. I can right, actually um, look that up while we're on here. Want to talk about that. I want to talk about those, uh, about recruiting generally. Uh, somewhat of a mini implosion, uh, at least at this point, going on in College Station. And uh, those ramifications, we mentioned David Hicks just there. Uh, and then I want to go over uh, all of what we talked about uh, as far as the players uh, and the positions and how they're doing. Uh, before I do any of that, though, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Our sponsor is Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking 
uh, to leave the corporate rat race, want to have your own business. It's a Friday afternoon. A lot of people get the Friday afternoon blues are ready to go uh, to happy hour. If you own your own business, you set your own hours. Uh, give Andy Ludicky a chance. He's the guy that knows all about every franchise out there uh, and can place you with one that he thinks is best for you. Uh, contact him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Okay, Ian, uh, we'll, we'll talk more recruiting in a minute. Uh, but first, I want to go over the offensive grades through eight games of the season. That's two-thirds of the regular season now. Longhorns sit at five and three. Uh, where are you at right now, in your opinion, on where the quarterbacks have been thus far? Have they, and not necessarily their overall grade in what you would give them, but have they met, exceeded, or not lived up to expectations, in your opinion? I would say, for me, they have met expectations. Um, Hudson Card, Hudson Card's probably been a little better than I, than I thought he would have been. Um, they're pretty close to it, and uh, Quinn Ewers has been about where I expected. At times, he's looked better, and at times, he's looked worse, which is kind of what you expect with a really talented first-year quarterback. Obviously, the Oklahoma State game was a really ugly little chapter in the Quinn Ewers story, and then the Alabama, Alabama and Oklahoma appearances were. I think at times a little better than maybe would have thought for a first year guy, especially with all the time he missed with the injury. So for me, I had pretty high expectations that I would say have been met. Got it. Uh, Jerry, what do you think? Uh, quarterback position? I think slightly above met um, for me, you know, Hudson Card is a better player this year. Um, I, I, I don't still think he's a starter level at the power five. A level full-time, but I think he's a better player this year. I think, uh, you know, he could be a heck of a heck of a G5 starting quarterback if he goes that route. Um, I think he's, but he's improved. Um, Quinn, you know, look, I, it's, it's hard to say what would have happened if he didn't get injured, but against man-to-man coverage, he looks about like you'd expect. Uh, when people throw the kitchen sink at him, uh, he, he looks about like you'd expect at times too. Um, and I said last week, I don't mind interceptions. I don't like interceptions on the Texas side of the field early in possessions. And that's what happened to start last game. Um, but I, you know, look, I, I think the kid has a world of talent. I think he's going to be just fine. I think it's part of his growing process. Um, and uh, so I'd say slightly above expectations. Gotcha. Matt, put up the uh, season stats for the quarterbacks, if you will, are talking to our producer right now and uh, getting him to show this. So, you know, 82 of 142 uh, for 1,100 yards, 74 of 107. The completion percentage for Hudson Card is really, uh, you know, striking compared to Quinn Ewers. But a lot of that is the last two games for Quinn Ewers when Oklahoma State and uh, West Virginia – and not West Virginia, Oklahoma State and uh, Iowa State threw these junk defenses at them. Um, for me, I'm going to go at expectation. I thought it would be an up-and-down year at quarterback, and frankly, that's what it is. I thought Hudson Card – may have had the best all-around game of any quarterback, and that was during the West Virginia game. I thought that he had a good all-around game. Uh, that doesn't mean that Quinn Ewers wasn't better at, at Oklahoma. It's just it was a blowout, right? So he didn't have to compete for all four quarters. Uh, but I would say at, at expectations. Let's go to the running back group, uh, Jerry, and, and go for your take there. Obviously, maybe the most talented room uh, there is right now at this point uh, on the Texas roster. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as have they met, exceeded, or uh, under undervalued their expectations? Or under I'll, I'll start. I think they've exceeded. 
and I had very high expectations, but I think they've exceeded them. Um, look, you can point to Bijan being a better player this year than he was last year. You can point to Roshan being a better player than he was last year. He looks a little quicker this year. Bijan's got to show everything he has a, a, as a pass catcher this year. Um, and I think he's been a little better between the tackles this year. I think it's just part of his growth process. Um, so I think they're way past it. And when Jonathan Brooks comes in, I mean, he looks tremendous. I mean, um, I think they have raced past high expectations. Uh, and, and, and here's the thing. It factors in not just when you take a handoff, catching the football, your leadership, the type of guys you are. I mean, how could you not say they haven't raced past your expectations uh, especially when it looked like Roshan Johnson could be hurt for a while, but that wasn't going to happen. That guy was going to play and he was going to lead. So I, I think they've just, I think they've had a great year so far. Uh, Ian, what do you think, buddy? Yeah, I mostly agree. Um, I thought Bijan Robinson's hard running inside that Jerry just noted against Oklahoma State was pretty, uh, pretty telling, pretty inspiring of a guy that's still growing. Um, early in the year, I think Sark got on him about this. He was trying to do too much. He was trying to, you know, hit a home run when they needed to hit some singles and kept spinning and, and making unnecessary moves. Against Oklahoma State, you saw a little more just running behind his pads, putting his head down and just churning his legs and falling forward. Um, so there were times earlier in the year where it was like, you know, it could use a little more from Bijan, and he's offered that and more. Rashawn has been terrific. Jonathan Brooks looked terrific in some of his garbage time carries against Oklahoma. Keelan Robinson has caught the ball better. I, I would say slightly over. Yep. I, I, I tell you what, uh, it's pretty interesting to me uh, just looking at the top two there. Um, it, Sark is going to end up with another thousand yard rusher this year. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. Uh, it's something he's done almost every stop he's been at. Uh, Roshan's likely going to end up around 600 or so, I would bet, uh, and maybe a thousand total uh, offensive yards. So uh, he's definitely using his his running backs. I, I would say as expected because this is what I expected of this duo. I mean, they are they should be the leaders of the offense. If anything, I would like to see them be more of the offense, right? Uh, because I think that that may have been what needed to happen against Oklahoma State in those uh, tough in that tough loss in Stillwater uh, a weekend ago. All right, let's talk about the receivers. Uh, obviously, Xavier Worthy leading the team with 36 catches. Jordan Whittington down the road a little bit, 29. Uh, after that, there's really not a third wide receiver because I don't care. Javian Sanders is a tight end, and I want to grade them separately. So where are we at on the receivers as a group? I'll start so y'all can recover. Um, <laughs> very disappointed. And I think well below expectations, honestly. And that's because of Xavier Worthy. And y'all know I'm very high on Xavier Worthy. We ranked him a five-star coming out of high school. We're the only people to do so. Um, but he has not played well this year for me. It's been way too inconsistent. There's too many drops. You know, we talked about last weekend. I mean, you know, he has a chance to make some big plays to help bail out a quarterback who's not having his best day, and he doesn't do it. I mean, there's just been too many instances of that this year. Um, for me, I think he's having a subpar year compared to his talent level and the freshman season he had, quite frankly. I think Jordan Whittington is a ter terrific all-around player. Um, you know, I think Casey Kane has definitely 
gone below the expectations coming out of camp, kind of what you saw, you know, heard about early on. Um, so I, we got to take into account that Isaiah Nero was the number two wide receiver, right, on this team, and he he, he was lost to the season to injury. Um, so, but I think well below expectations for me. Uh, Ian, um, as a group, below for the same reason. It seems like Xavier Worthy has not really been the deep threat he was supposed to be. He doesn't he doesn't track the ball super well in the air. Sometimes they've thrown him balls that have been hard for him to adjust to. But I think in general, it seems like he's not very good at adjusting to the ball in the air. It's like when he gets to top speed, it's hard for him to, you know, throttle down, change directions. And it just that connection has just not been there. I, his numbers are still pretty solid because he's extremely dangerous on gadget plays and underthrows. I mean, like shallow crosses and things like that. But the, the yards per catch at 14.2, that is not what you want from a deep threat. So there's been some things that Worthy has shown this year that have been pretty impressive, like his uh, that, that pretty much game-winning touchdown catch at fourth and goal against West Virginia. That was a terrific route. But in terms of the routes that he was supposed to help Texas dominate with this season, it just hasn't been there. Um, for Jordan Whittington, I'd say he's actually been everybody, everything you wanted. He's reliable when they involve him. They've been inconsistent about involving him. He blocks terrifically well. So I, 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 don't, I don't want to demean Whittington in that below expectations grade. Um, and then everybody else has been just, you know, a Jai Hall – Amiri, Tariq Milton, Casey Kane, just not been very involved, apparently not really commanding extra attention by whatever they're doing in practice. So I, I'll say below expectations for everything except for uh, Worthy and uh, no, just every, below below for everything except for Whittington is what I'll say. I, I would I echo this, and this is the reality of it for me, this post right here. We don't have a number three, period. That's that's reality, right? I mean, that ultimately, that's what we're saying. At wide receiver, Casey Kane has had some big receptions, but he also dropped a big one. And he hasn't looked well. He hasn't looked good ever since that either, by the way. Um, didn't look good against uh, 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 Iowa State. Didn't look good against uh, Oklahoma State. So given that, uh, it, it's it's pretty clear that there are issues, right? Uh, my question for you guys, uh, in, in really, Ian, is, is it important for Texas uh, to have a third receiver if Jaleel Billingsley is now back? Because I thought he and the, the, the mix of Jaleel Billingsley, along with Jatavian Sanders, is different than Sanders and Gunnar Helm. It, it makes you, it makes it a little bit more difficult to defend if you have those two tight ends as opposed to uh, you're going with Sanders and Helm simultaneously. Yeah, I don't know if they really needed a number three, even without Billingsley, as long as they were healthy with uh, Whittington and Worthy. Um, the other guy was always going to be, you know, blocking or like a third or fourth read in a progression anyways. Because Jatavian Sanders is a really awesome number three receiver, basically. And at times, Rashawn Johnson and Bijan Robinson are really terrific number three receivers out of the backfield or flexed out. So I, I, I don't know that they're worthy has been disappointing, but I don't think the lack of depth is really a problem right now, unless they 
have injuries uh, to Whittington or Worthy. And obviously Billingsley, that is even more margin for error. Then they could probably play with three tight ends, and I expect they will at some point this season because of, uh, I mean, Billingsley and, and Sanders alike are basically uh, receivers for how right. skilled they are. Right. Um, what do you think about the tight ends above or be above or below or, or meeting expectations above with the caveat that Billingsley has been unavailable for six was unavailable for six games due to uh, mistakes on his part. And I guess they were before Texas, but you know, Texas is the one footing the bill. So they, uh, they definitely lost a little something there. I think they may have lost something in terms of helping Billingsley be better acclimated for this uh, final stretch where he could obviously be useful. But that aside, Jatavian Sanders, I think we had pretty high expectations for him coming into the season just from the, the buzz around him in, in spring ball and fall camp. But he still, I would say, exceeded expectations just with his ability to be a, a target in the seams, bring in throws with the accepting that interception against that Oklahoma State. Um, his use in the RPO game has been really terrific. Um, they flex him out sometimes in the end zone, which in the red zone, which is why he has five touchdown catches. So he's been, he's been awesome. He's like a three and out kind of player right now at this point. Got it. Um, Jerry Hamilton is, is going to try to rejoin us here. He got disconnected. Uh, I got a text from him just now saying that he's going to try to get, jump back on here in a second. I think they're above, above it to Ian uh, in all fairness. I think that Texas, uh, at tight end has gotten more out of a tight end than they've gotten in a long, long time. Uh, it could be that Jatavian Sanders ends up with 50 plus catches this year out of the tight end spot. I mean, that that's unheard of uh, for Texas at that spot, but it's indicative of just how good and talented Jatavian Sanders is at this point. Um, and so anybody thinking otherwise on him, I, I just feel is, is missing the, the the point of even if we thought he was going to be this good, he's been better in most instances. Um, and I really, hey, by the way, did you like the way I like the way Jalil Billingsley blocked on Saturday, last Saturday? Did you did you notice that at all, Ian? Yeah, I noticed. You know, they gave him easier assignments at both Texas and Alabama, and when he doesn't, when he gets to block like linebackers and smaller players. It, he doesn't lack for effort. He, he generally knows where to go, maybe with one exception of a play that I think you noticed. And uh, he's a yeah, he's a good and willing blocker. He's never going to be a good – you can't kick out an end. You can't put him on linemen or, or, or give him tougher assignments. But as long as he's, like, in there with another tight end who can take on the, the bigger challenges, he's not a liability at all. What do you think, Jerry? You think the tight ends are above or below expectations or meeting expectations at this point? I think they're way above. Um, I mean, it's hard to argue uh, for me otherwise because Jatavion Sanders becoming a NFL prospect in his first year as a real player at the position. I think Gunnar Helms showed improvement with Billingsley, you know, look being suspended for six games. I mean, what would the position look like if they were fully there all season? So I think it's well above. I think it's the most improved position in the in the program still. Yep, I, I agree with you. I don't know about the most – well, it could be the most improved. I, I may actually go with that because uh, the offensive line has been improved, in my opinion. Right. But they, they actually – they didn't – they weren't horrible all year last year. Um, the offensive line, though, is next on the list. Ian, you take that one. 
I'm going to go over expectations for the offensive line. I think Kelvin Banks has been a lot better than really you should expect a freshman to be, even as one as talented as him. Um, I think Cole Hudson has been really solid outside of a couple snafus on the road. Christian Jones has obviously improved. Um, Carrick has been, I mean, maybe we should count Carrick in the tight end room, but he's basically an offensive lineman and he's been good at it and getting him on the field has been a big win. Um, yeah. Connor and majors have maybe been a little bit disappointing, but they're not, not been bad. Uh, more just like, you know, those are two guys that may have to worry about getting replaced next year as the unit continues to get better, but protection has been good. Run blocking has been, uh, off and on, but two freshmen didn't get embarrassed by Alabama, dominated Iowa State. Overall, very, very positive. Jerry, what do you think? Yeah, I think above, um, but with a caveat. The, the next four games are going to be big for him um, because I do think it's some of the – you know, Oklahoma State, the edges gave him some issues, I thought. Um, that was the best edges in the Big 12. I, I think – Baylor could present some problems on the interior, um, possibly. And I think the competition, look, when you look at it, I think they're above for me. But I also say Texas Tech, West Virginia, it played the bottom of the league. And Oklahoma is not what they were. So, But I agree with Ian. When you have a freshman that is a freshman All-American, um, you've, you've upgraded that position. And Christian Jones moving back to right tackle upgraded that position. Um, and then, you know, Cole Hudson's like – I agree with Ian. I think it's above. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see where they end up. Are they going to keep ascending against the better teams in the Big 12 here, especially two more road games to end the season? Because this is, could be a real fun conversation at the end of the season. But right now, I think they've exceeded expectations. I'm going to go with you guys uh, maybe slightly uh, above expectations because I, I don't know – like, I, other than – I think they enforced their will against UTSA, which is a decent team. What are they now, 6-2? and two? Yeah. Is that right? Um, they, they did it against uh, West Virginia at times. They did it against uh, Iowa State on that last drive. Um, and I know they've passed protected reasonably well just about all year. Um, but I don't know that other than that – other than that drive against uh, Iowa State – did they ever really just lean on them and say, this is the, this is how we're going to get there with the run game. And so I, I think it's above, I just don't know how much above um, just to sum up on offense. I want to, I want to give you guys all your, the summation um, in general, we think quarterbacks are about where they, we thought they would be running backs, maybe a little above where we thought we would be as a consensus group here, wide receivers, all of us thought below where we thought we were, or they would be simply because I think all three of us mentioned it. After Whittington and Worthy, it's been uh, too few and far between. Furthermore, Worthy hasn't necessarily had the season that, that many were anticipating. Tight end, way above. All of us put that. And then offensive line, uh, a little bit above as well. So that's that's that. Now, <laughs> taking all of that, what do you think about the offense in total? Like, what do you think? Is, is that meeting expectations? Is that below? Is that above? Uh, Ian, you, you look the most concerned there. So I'm going to ask you to start. Well, I want to say that they've been below, really. Yes. But uh, how many how many points how many points are they scoring per game? I guess is a good thirty six point four. I'm going to say below. I think that forty was a better goal. They should be closer to forty. 
and they need, and they still have these long droughts in the second half that have hung them out to dry and cost them to blow leads. So that I mean they need to be way more consistent. Um, I was pretty generous with my grades. Now it feels like so. I, uh, I guess I was anticipating a little more explosiveness in the passing game. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think well, I think what's important here to point out is, you know, positionally we give grades. The offense as a whole, that's the players and the coaching staff, right? And there's too much wilting in the second half offensively for it to to be a exceeded expectation grade. I mean, it's, it's it, 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 when it is an issue time and time again, especially on the road, then it's hard to say anything but the offense is, as a whole is slightly below what we expected it to be. I, I'm good with that. I, I think it's about where – I actually think it's about where I thought it would be given the uncertainty at quarterback heading into the year because I, I still think quarterback is the most important position on offense. And until you have a guy that's really ready to go there, uh, Hudson Card was unproven at best entering the season. Quinn Ewers should be a true freshman. Uh, so I, I feel I feel like they're about where they're at uh, on offense. And I expected some droughts, not even just in the second half, but in the first half too, given the uh, quarterback situation. Hey, Bobby, do you remember writing that piece about how many points per game you need to score to win in the Big 12 and what yes. the number was? What was yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was 32 to 33. All right. And well, and that may that number may be above now. But they're they're three and two in conference. I, this year is probably higher than uh than most. Because yes. we got more hurry up spread coaches again in the league. We have better quarterback play and yeah. More OT games this year as part of yeah. parity too. So that's yeah, that's always throw you off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you talk about can and frankly, the Kansas used to be a offensive doormat, and so they've raised the bar and the, for themselves, and by way of doing that, increased the scoring output in the Big Twelve in particular because they're now even when they're losing, they're scoring in the thirties, right? Um, and so uh, that's that's going to be an interesting stat to look at next year, Ian, uh, compared to this year uh, as well, or or com- when compared when this year's over to compare it to a year ago. All right, let's go to the uh, the one recruiting question I want to ask Jerry before we go to the defense here. Um, Jerry, uh, November 12th setting up as the big weekend coming up for the Longhorns. Um, Deuce Robinson on campus. Jaden Greathouse on campus. DeAndre Moore, we believe, is going to be on campus, the wide receiver out of California. Anybody else that you're hearing that, that could be there? Yeah, I think, um, look, I mean, the, the three official visitors, Deuce, Marcus Deal, assuming name and force is out of the playoffs, DeAndre Moore. Then Jaden Greathouse will be there. Well, if Jaden Greathouse will be there, let's see if Colton Vosick shows up again, right? <laughs> I think we'll be surprised if he's not at another Texas game, and that's the other big recruiting weekend. Um, you look at Johnny Bowens. He told me at Converse Judson on Tuesday, I'm like losing track of days, I believe that was Tuesday, that – Texas and him are talking about coming up on the 12th for an unofficial visit. So I think, you know, you look at that, does Texas pursue Derek Conner out of the junior college ranks if the if the academics match up transferable hours? If that were to happen, that could be a November 12th because when else is it really going to be? Um, that's the last big recruiting weekend. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a number of guys. Jai Eugene, Jay Eugene, the uh, safety out of Destrehan, whose dad played at LSU. Terry Joseph had a long time. Um 
relationship with. He told me that he'd probably be at the TCU game. Texas is actually going by the school today. They're continuing to look at him. Um, so that's another kid who doesn't have an offer right now, but he could very easily take an unofficial visit on the 12th. So, And that's just the 2023. So 2024, uh, they're point, a lot of those kids have been pointing to this game, Michael Yeeney out of uh, Coppers Cove, where Texas will be at that game versus Harker Heights tonight from what Justin Wells and myself have heard. Um, but there's going to be a lot of 2024s on campus as well. It's a big recruiting weekend uh, for the Longhorns against TCU, and um, hopefully they're coming off a win in, in, in the – Fan base is energized for this one. Because um, I know Gary Patterson will be energized for this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they got to go through. They got to go uh, up to Manhattan, Kansas next week first. Um, and I, I tell you what, uh, Longhorns need need a win here. Uh, five and three. They with a win, they become bowl eligible, uh, and they can really focus on the last last half of the schedule. I think and and really get it out there. Hey, I hey, uh, want to thank Andy Ludicky, our sponsor at, at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, Andy has this really cool process. He takes you through uh, a Q&A session uh, where he gives you uh, questions that you answer to try to find the business that's right for you. You can contact him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net if you're looking to leave the corporate rat race. All right, um, Ian, let's start on the defense now and talk about uh, two grades two-thirds of the way through. And again, we're doing this in a way where it's not necessarily an overall grade. Like we would probably all give the, the running backs of Texas an A+. Plus, but what are they doing compared to what we thought prior to the season that they would do? So let's go to the defensive side and let's start with the defensive tackles. I want to split up the, the, the line to two, into two pieces because I think they're two really separate grades. Uh, your thoughts on the defensive tackles? I think they've been a little better than expected. I thought that they were uh, underrated last year, honestly. In the pass rush, they had some problems. Uh, but they were very good in run defense last year, and there were just such big holes elsewhere in the defense that it wasn't always obvious. This year they've maintained that. They're better in the pass rush. Keandre Coburn is playing better and more energetically on third downs. Uh, Sweat is playing more and better. Ojimo. Um, yeah, they've been great, extremely deep. They'll probably have – what three or four guys may be drafted in this next draft they've that's been apparent in a lot of games that they have that level of quality so um i i thought they would be very good this year and they've been very good jerry jerry you're you're muted hold on a second i'm gonna unmute your mic bud no, I got it. Um, I was going uh, linebacker before the season's most improved position. I'm actually going interior defensive line right now. Um, I, uh, everything Ian said, I agree with. Um, I think there's multiple guys that will have NFL contracts, whether those are draft picks or not, whatever. Um, I, I think every guy's improved at that position. Um, I, I think whether that's just a, a year under bow, a, a change in strength and conditioning philosophy, what have you contract year for guys i mean you put it all together and this is kind of the way i thought these guys were going to this group was going to perform last year and i really think it's why texas struggled so much last year in a way is the best position on your team they have to come through running backs has come through for texas um defensive line interiors come through for texas this year and i think it's a big reason why they're five and three um quite frankly is they have a lot of guys that are hard to block. Uh, those guys aren't staying blocked. Um, and it's the most talented position on the defense. And they're playing like it this year. And that is, and that had to happen. 
I, I am I'm so totally with you guys. It's not even funny. I uh, I think it's only difference is this. I think it's well well above expectations. Yeah. So I don't think it's just above expect. I think Ian said slightly because I think Ian probably expected more out of them. It's not a knock on how they're actually playing, but he just expected more inherently. After watching last year, where I thought they the the effort other than Byron Murphy, I don't think was consistent uh, a year ago. I see consistent effort across the board this year, and I see consistent results across the board as well. Um, and so I would say defensive tackles, in my mind, have, have wildly, uh, wildly over overmet expectations because essentially, uh, I was basing my expectations off of what I saw a year ago, where maybe other than Byron Murphy, none of them looked like they had an NFL future. And now, to your point, I think two of them. Uh, in in Murphy and Sweat probably do, and possibly a third in Ojemo. Uh Not Murphy, uh, Coburn and and Sweat. So, look, I, I mean, I I feel like you got to give them uh, the the uh, you know a pat on the back. To your point, would you like them to see get more pass rush on the interior? Yes, they're not getting it right now. Uh, they're getting some push, but not necessarily pass rush. All right, defensive ends. That's a different story, and I'm going to take this one first. <laughs> I don't know that they've met expectations or under 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 met. I don't even know what the word is because I had no expectations really coming in because I didn't think Ovia Gufu was very good. He's gotten a little bit better. I didn't think Baron Sorrell um, was going to be the day one starter necessarily, even though that he he looked like he would be. My answer to this is I I just I think that's a I don't even want to say an incomplete grade because I had such low expectations. I, I still don't know that they've met my expectations of just being decent. I, I feel like it's been, I don't know. I, they, they're just not getting any kind of uh, the defensive end spot in college football is typically where you get the uh, out of, out of regular plays. I mean, you get the disruption, you get the sacks, you get the pat a batted down pass that gets intercepted. You get these off schedule plays. Does any Texas defensive end create an off schedule play to y'all at this point? Sorrell at times, probably. You would say. Is it off schedule though? Or is it more of a coverage sack? I mean, no offense. He hasn't exactly gotten home quickly, even when he's gotten home. And, and I like Baron Sorrell. So I'm not, I'm not knocking on him. I'm just saying it, there's nobody coming off the edge that makes me go, ooh, wait a minute. That the other team needs to really worry about that dude. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll go, I guess. Um, my expectations were really low as well. So they've probably met expectations overall. I think Sorrell has been better than I expected. I think Agofu has been maybe a little bit worse. Um Earlier in the year, it looked like he might have a, a pretty solid year, and then it just doesn't really – he makes errors when they ask him to drop back, which is disappointing because he's already an undersized guy that doesn't offer just a ton of pass rush. So some of his value add should be being able to drop and allow them to zone blitz and bring like Demo or Ford or a safety or somebody. And he's made mistakes when they've asked him to drop. So below expectations for him, maybe above for Sorrell. And then all the other guys behind them have been, I, you know, I don't know. They've met expectations 
and those expectations being don't expect much, right? So uh, yeah, you're young. I mean, you got you got Finkley that's a freshman. Devin Richardson, they just moved there a week ago. He looks pretty good, actually. Yeah, um, I know. But <laughs> a week ago. Yeah, yeah. I I actually think they're going to be really good next year. Um, if if the other guys make the leap that Sorrell did from year one to two, if you get if you get a leap of that size from any of Finkley, Burke, or Tap, or I guess Richardson, then they're going to be in great shape next year. But so I'll say met expectations with the understanding that expectations were pretty low. Jerry, you're muted again. You're muted again, bud. I'm oh, sorry. A little below, uh, and I had low. Um, I just, what's the sack total for the group? I mean, I hate to put it very bluntly, but what is the sack total? Uh, Matt, you've got it right four. there. Matt, Matt our, our producer, has it, has it up there. I think it's more than four, but not much. Mm. Right? I mean, Matt, yeah. you got it for us? He's, he's looking I, it up right I, now. I am actually interested to see how Devin Richardson looks the rest of the way because right. he actually shows a little flash that they haven't been getting. Um, it's four and, and a half, by the way. Four and a half. half. So half, half, a sack, half a sack a game out of your edge position is well below expectations for me. I'm just going to be honest. Toss out anything else. You got to create be. more than half a sack a game out of your edge position in the college major college football. I just I I am guessing if we I, we don't have time to add up the other sixty four power five teams, but I'm guessing that's in the bottom ten percent of those. Maybe so. What are you thinking, Ian? You were gonna you getting ready to say something to Jerry there? Well, it's definitely below where it should be, right? I think we kind of knew. You know, it'd be interesting would be to see where Oshawn Mathis is this season. <laughs> he's not very good either. He's, I think, I think, he I think he's got better. three sacks in seven games. I'm looking it up. Oh, two or got, three, two and a half or got, three, maybe. I actually saw that looking through Casey Thompson's numbers the other day. Got two, so <laughs> that's, that's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Sorrell, I was going to say Sorrell has three of the four and a half. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, you know. It's been it's been surprising that they've played with two edges as much as they have, rather than playing with uh, just one and three defensive linemen. If um, if they don't if they don't meet their goals this season, then that's going to be an easy place to point to and just say, why why did you do it this way? So so the, the map brings that up: sixty sixth out of one thirty one in sacks, seventeen as a team, only four of those from the edge. Um, so. The rest of the guys, the rest of the guys have done okay. <laughs> yeah, was, I look. I I said below average, but I, I just I can't. You got to get more production out of guys that are supposed to be productive. I mean, that's the bottom line. Those guys are supposed to be productive. They're productive positions in any modern day defense, and they're just not productive. Um, not productive enough. All right, uh, linebackers. A uh, little bit different story there for me. I'm above expectations because one, Jalen Ford's absolutely played above expectations. He's taken the next step. I was questioning that going into the year. And I actually think that DeMarvian Overshone for me is, is meeting, if not surpassing expectations a little bit. And Diamante Tucker Dorsey uh, has been a, a good addition, even though he's not necessarily the guy, 
I, I think the linebackers are above expectation. Jerry, what about you? Yeah, I would say um, I had it as the most improved position in the program or on the defense head into the season. Um, Jalen Ford is uh, above expectations for me. I think DeMarvion slightly below expectations for me. Um, but I think the group as a whole is, is above expectations. I mean, Tucker Dorsey was an upgrade over what they played last year, right? So they got better um, at least in two spots there. Um, you know, I mean, I like Overshone, but again – it's just not enough playmaking for me um, for a guy that's hyped the way he is. So he's just a little slightly below because Texas needs playmakers. They need these guys to make big plays, and they just haven't got enough of them. And I, so I think he's slightly below, but I think the position as a whole is above. Uh, Ian, what are you? I almost 100% agree. Um, Overshone, Overshone makes plays that are a little flashy. He really – to Jerry's point, should make more of them. Um, he also makes plays for the offense that are not obvious. He makes mistakes that are hard to to understand unless you you know understand how the defense is supposed to work and what he is and isn't doing. He's still he's a lot better than he has been, but he still is not uh, very. He's not a quick trigger. You know. It doesn't look like like a Penn State, Ohio State linebacker, you know, where they always know exactly what you're trying to do and they're there. He's got to see it, and then he's fast enough to make it work sometimes, but he should be making more plays for how athletic and big he is around the line of scrimmage. And uh, he's made some, which have helped. I mean, he's, a, he's a net positive, and he's better than his backup. But My, um, problem, my problem with him, and, and beyond, because I didn't expect much of him, because I didn't think he played well at all last year. Right. And I don't know. I don't, I still don't know that he's a quote unquote linebacker. No, he's, yeah. <laughs> and, and so my, my worry about him right now, one, he's not getting after the passer well enough. Granted, he did get a sack taken away from him that should have been a sack against uh, UTSA. But um, he is really good covering backs and tight ends in the flat. He gets lost on guys over the middle. Like he's he, a- does that make sense to y'all? You, Ian, you know what I'm saying there? Yeah. I mean, he's a nickel. He's a star that plays Will. Um, he probably could have been a safety, but he's really – he's always been a guy that either needed to be box safety or he needed to have a nickel linebacker position like um, Jeremiah Wozu-Kuromoa at Notre Dame. That's the kind of player he is. And uh, they've not had that role in the defense, so they've had, and they've not had linebackers. So they've had to use him in there, and uh, I, I like him. I, he's kind of fun to watch, but he's just—he's not a true linebacker, to your point. I, I think player. what was his—I uh, I don't know if we have it, but if you take away the ULM game, I mean, they're just—he hadn't made a lot of big plays, as many as I would expect from him. If you take away the G five starter to start the season, hadn't been. How about the fact that Jalen Ford has? More tackles for loss and about as many sacks. Right. And has the interception, has the two forced fumbles. He's been the playmaker this year. Yeah. Ford, Ford has been terrific. Yep. All right. Cornerback, uh, uh, Ryan Watts, Deshaun Jameson, the two primaries there, although we've seen Jameer Johnson, Austin Jordan. Uh, we've even seen a little bit of uh, Terrence Brooks as well. Um, Jade Barron has seen some action there lately with uh, some injuries. Um you know, 
I feel like they are about at expectations to maybe a little bit below for me. Um, not enough interceptions. That's kind of why, and way too many pass interference penalties. Anybody want to take that one on? Go ahead, Ian. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go over. Uh, I think when Watts is is on the field, I think he's probably probably the best player on the defense this season. Uh, they play him in man coverage a lot. They don't always give him consistent help from the safety. Does not have help down the sideline. Plays in press a lot. Blitzes the edge. Um, they use him in a lot of different ways to free up other people in the defense to make plays, and he's been very good. Like you, there's not a game this season where it's where Ryan Watts's coverage has been a problem, and he even uh, he even jammed up and and and. Uh, ended that Oklahoma State possession that other should have been in points with a, with a pick the other week. I think how much they've fallen off when he hasn't been able to be on the field the last two weeks is pretty telling of his impact. So I would say he's been everything you would have dared hope for a guy that was a backup at Ohio State last year that hardly played to being a cornerstone of this defense that's only giving up 21 points a game. Jamison has been about what I expected. He's, he's better than he was a year ago, but he's just never been the dominant playmaker. Might hope, I, I thought he might be out of, out of high school. And then um, the backups have been, you know, a little iffy. I think Jameer Johnson has been promising. I don't know why we've not seen him in a couple of weeks. The other backups have, have had some problems. So in balance, I'll go above just because I think Watts has been so good. That's fair. I, Jerry, you're the, you're the tiebreaker here because I'm below and, and Ian's above. I'm, I'm a right at Met because of the, <laughs> uh, well, I am. Because Come on, cast the deciding vote, Jerry. <laughs> okay, slightly below. But I agree with Ian because Ryan's been so good and I just expect more out of Shark. I just do. I mean, he's been in the program a long time. He's in the second year of this defense. He doesn't have the burden of being a return man this year. Um, so I just – he's made some plays, but you always – he's one of those players you always expect more, whether it's the dropped interceptions against Alabama, just not finishing enough of those plays. I think Ryan Watts has been a really good football player. Um, and I, I think uh, I think the backups – that's kind of what pushes me slightly below because the backups, um, when Ryan Watts goes out, it's – it's a struggle. Um, so I think that pushes it slightly below for me just because the depth hasn't been there to sustain an injury. Yep. Um, let's talk about the, the safeties. Uh, and I'm going to put that as an even. I'm not going to force you to tie break on that, Jerry. You said even. I don't want to – I'm not going to force. No, let's no. go to the safeties and nickel and put them together. Uh, Jade Barron uh, at the star position, uh, Jaron Thompson, and then Anthony Cook, the three primaries. Uh, Cook now looks like he's going to be out for a couple weeks at the very least. Uh, where are we at on those three? Uh, and I'll start with you, Ian. That's a tough I'm going to say, I'm going to say better. Uh, I think they've been really, really good at times this season. There's a little bit of uh, stink in the air from the last, from last week, where um, when Cook went down, or when Cook was out against Iowa State, they had some major problems. They don't they don't really have another free safety on the roster, apparently. And that's a pretty alarming problem for this final stretch of the season. I would say maybe the biggest concern for this team winning out is uh, 
cook status because Taffy is, you know, he's a good player, but he's not, he's too limited to be in a lot of space. He needs to be in. Especially when you can't get after the passer. Yes. Yeah. He needs to be in Jaron Thompson's position to really belong in the field. Um, Jaron Thompson has been really good this year. Jedi Barron has been really good. Jalen Gilbo has been good for a freshman in that role. Very promising. I think he's got – he's pretty far from being the player he needs to be to own that position in the future. But for a freshman, he's been good, and they have it allows them to have some decent depth at star. But, um, yeah, I think frontline starters have been very good, above expectations, and the depth behind them is pretty concerning. Jerry? Uh, the frontline guys above – the depth causes it to be even. Lack of depth causes it to be even for me. Um, I think Barron's been really good this year. I think Cook's been a very improved player. I mean, Barron looks like a guy that's going to make a paycheck playing football to me. Whatever, whether it's a corner, nickel, whatever. He looks like a guy that's going to have a career to me um, this year. Uh, Cook's been improved. I think Jaron Thompson's improved, but still limited as a playmaker, but improved player. Um, I think Gilbo has been a solid depth piece started two games when Barron was hurt right so I think he's done some good things this year but the depth makes it even for me uh but the starters are above I think that's fair put I think that's fairly put um I think overall I would still say better I I think that they were so bad a year ago that I'm biased though so I didn't expect as much coming into this year is that is that is that a fair statement for me for everybody I I would give the the caveat that they play differently this season. Last year they just had them backpedaling every play, and this year they get to be flat-footed and be a little more aggressive. If they had Brendan Schooler back for another year, for I mean, there's no reason they would. But if they did, I think he would start, and they would have been they probably beat Oklahoma State because of the depth issue. I think that guy could have been really good in in this scheme with another year. So and then. Foster obviously was, I don't know what happened there. Got it. Well, I, I think that, that that's all well and good, but here, here's another situation. Again, I'm looking at, at the positions, right. And we, for, for the most part, we, we agreed on almost everything except for cornerback. We thought the defensive end was below in general, defense tackle above in general, linebacker above in general, cornerback. We, we debated, uh, safety nickel uh, above for the most part, right? Now, now tell me how you think the defense as a whole is performing versus what your expectations were. I'll go. I have them way above expectations. Um, Twenty-one points a game in defense, and then with the, you know, the shenanigans they've had to deal with with all the three and outs still from the offense running over from last year. I I know that. Fans have been really frustrated because you watch the defense directly give away games against Texas Tech, against Alabama, although I think people were forgiving for that one, and against Oklahoma State. So the overall impression around the defense is pretty bad, and the third downs as well, very frustrating to watch. But in terms of their goal of keeping points off the board, um, the results are pretty great, especially relative to the talent inputs the lack of playmaking at that premier feature position on the edge that you mentioned, Bobby. I mean, all things considered, 
this looks like a much better defense than we should have expected. I yeah, I would say not so much better defense. I and this is what I was hoping for more of last year, I guess. Like it's like they're a year behind. Um, and the problem I have is that they're still not, you know, they're the defense too often, particularly in the fourth quarter, seems to let the the offense or let the opponents dictate the outcome. Um, and I don't, I don't know how else to say that. I, I feel like they're about where they, they, I thought they would be. I, I wish I could say they're, they're maybe a little bit above, but really given the, the 41 points, not only to, to, uh, tech and the Oklahoma state, but the idea that they just allow teams to sit on them and build drives over long periods of time. Uh, it doesn't allow me to to maybe really say they're that much better than they than I expected this year. Jerry, where where are you at on that? Slightly better, just because they were so bad last year. I mean, you get, we get, get a, give them credit, right? Um, Ian Bo- Ian pointed out, you know, the safeties playing fat, flat-footed, the change there. I think it's been very beneficial. Um, you know, the interior guys are better, so they're a better defense because of that alone. The linebacker plays improved. Jalen Ford's been really good behind those interior defensive linemen, so they are better. Um, are they where my expectations would be for them? Probably a little below it, but judging them off last year, slightly above expectations. Okay, I think that's all. I think that's all fair and good. Um, we're talking with uh, Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. Uh, please visit us at InsideTexas.com each and every day. We've got articles uh, talking about the, the Longhorns, whether it's the X's and O's that Ian puts up uh, or the recruiting news. Jerry uh, uh, put it out there today, including a new scholarship offer to a defensive tackle uh, from the state of Georgia. Uh, InsideTexas.com has you covered. Uh, before I uh, ask each of you guys one last question and get your take on it, um, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, uh, Andy Ludicky at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, if you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, control your own destiny and own your own business, there's no better way than a proven business model like a franchise. Uh, contact Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net to get started in the process today. Um Ian and, and Jerry, this is for both of you guys. Uh, Texas has got four games left. Uh, what do you think their record's going to be the last four? I think it should be 4-0. I think if they can if they can beat Kansas State, it should be 4-0. Um, they've already, you know, it was not surprising that they would find a way to lose to Mike Gundy on the road. That was kind of always baked in all year. It looked like they could avoid it just because Oklahoma State was so beat up. But, you know, Gundy will Gundy in the end of the day. The Tech game was really the bad loss of the season. Everything else is gone as an optimist would have hoped, you know. Being like 5-2 uh, and two outside of the Tech game, I think, is really right on track for a really good season. So – as, as hard to watch as that last game was, and as much as it feels like they really should have found a way to win, just running the ball more or something, um, I, I think they're on track for my expectation of 9-3. Jerry, what do you think? Um, it's a tough one. Um, it all hinges on Saturday, next Saturday for me. Uh, 
if they win, I think they go three and one over the final four. Um, cool. I, I just, I don't know if I see them going undefeated. Um, you know, I thought this, I thought you were going to ask about where our expectations were going to be versus you had it into the season. Um, but look, my whole thing is I've got to see Sark win a road game in the Big 12. I, I mean, I don't care. You know, yeah, they beat TCU. I don't care the reason. I've got to see it this year. I, I've got to see it. And he's got two chances left. And they need to do it against a good team. It doesn't need to be a wounded Kansas team that's limping through the end of the season in a revenge game because you lost to Kansas at home and gave up 1,000 points last year. That doesn't need to be the game. It needs to be Kansas State Saturday. They've had two opportunities to win on the road this year, and they've fumbled them both for whatever reason. Um, and they need to get one done. And if they get one done, I think they'll go three and one to finish. Um, and uh, and they end up would end up eight and four right where they need to be. Jerry, Jerry, who are they going to lose to if they beat Kansas State? You know, I just don't. I just it, why I wouldn't just, they lose to TCU, who's undefeated? <laughs> yeah. Well, is just, Quinn Ewers going to get hurt in the second half like every other quarterback has yeah. against TCU? I mean, I mean, I, my problem, I guess my deal is I just don't know if they're there yet to go rattle off four wins in a row against quality opponents, teams with winning records, I guess is my thing. I just, I need to see a little more to believe that. And now let's see, let's also see where Adrian Martinez is with his injury. Um, because to me, that looked like a, an ankle that's not going to be healthy the rest of the year based on talking to a couple of people. So let's see where he's at the rest of the year. But I guess I'm in the make me believe mode in more than anything. I need to see a win on the road against a quality opponent right now. I I think that against these same four teams a year ago, Texas was two and two. These same four teams, Texas was two and two a year ago. So they beat K-State and TCU and lost to Baylor and Kansas. Um, I think it's possible those switch. So we'll see how it goes. I, I, I think two and two, and they finish seven and five. So that that's where I'm at on this. How that comes about, I'm not quite sure. I just I, – I feel like until they get some answers – like I don't like playing Baylor without a without a safety. I mean, I, I think that's a bad, bad mix for Texas uh, because Baylor will be able to play and stop the Texas run game at times. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. All right. All I right. will say I, I think seven and five would be a disappointment of a season. I, I think that's, that's the cutoff for this year. Well, that I, I got to be honest. That's what I predicted in the preseason. I, I think people had too much expectations given breaking in a new quarterback and the poor defense we saw a year ago. I thought I thought people got caught up in some uh, some I, maybe they didn't right because there still could be nine and three to your point. But that's that was my read on the situation, Ian, and made me go the direction I did. We'll see how it goes. I'm. Hey, I hey, by the way, by the way, it is more than seven and five. By the way, but that's a different story. <laughs> hey, by the way, if we have three minutes left, I'm going to ask you guys: above or below expectations in special teams, breaking in a new kicker and punter. Way above. Way above. Auburn. I think one one bad miss all year for Auburn and Trejo, coffin cornered Oklahoma State. Was almost the game for Texas, but they fumbled it. Um, yeah, it's got to be above, right? Bobby's Bobby's looking like maybe not, but no, I would not say that because it, look, they had problems kicking field goals early in the year, so don't forget about that. Okay, 
the the field goal against Alabama going into half was it, it was as bad as the one we saw on on Saturday. I, I'm not saying he's not. I know he's new and all this other stuff. I don't think he's Mr. Automatic. I just forget I about that. Trejo, Trejo has been good, but he gives up length. So I think that it's okay. Um, he did have a great game on Saturday. And then they blocked punts and had a couple of decent returns, not allowed any big returns. But largely, I, I think I'm jaded a little bit because two of these punt blocks they've had in recent weeks have resulted in zero points. So it's like, I, I understand grading the special teams, but it's the it's what happens after that, right? You want to see them actually capitalize, and they haven't necessarily done that. So I, I, I think I, I, I get that that's not the special team's fault. That's the team's fault. I'm going slightly above because Worthy and Keelan are so close to busting one. I think they're a little improved there this year. I think they're more of a threat there this year. Kicker obviously is not quite as good. I think Trejo has been pretty – I think he's actually a really good late find by Banks and those guys give the staff credit. So I'm going to go slightly above, and I think coverage teams have been pretty solid this year. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right on. All right, uh, that's been this episode of On Texas Put- Football, Longhorn live stream. Again, visit us at InsideTexas.com, uh, and we'll be around. I'm going to have a, a, a article – or excuse me, a, a video for tomorrow. I hope that you guys enjoy with a, a friend of mine. Uh, but uh, from there on, uh, it is coming coming down, and we're back inside of a game week. Uh, Longhorns take on Kansas State a week from Saturday. Uh, and until later, this has been Bobby Burton with Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton. Thanks for watching.